Hello, podcast friends. You're back here listening to another edition of Loud and Clear, the Richard Zalerma podcast, where we talk to people who give a shit about advertising. Uh, I am Matt, uh, creative here at Richard Zalerma, and I'm joined, as always, by Brandon, uh, strategist here at Richard Zalerma. Uh, today, we are talking to Garrett Brewster, who is a strategist at the Richards Group. And what we thought would be fun um, is talking about Twitch and gaming and the new era of streaming because I love digital trends, Matt loves gaming, and this would be a great combo for it. Yep, so with that, let's just jump on into the fun. Yeah, this is a great thing to just hand to somebody that doesn't know what Twitch is, or if you aren't super sure what the new streaming environment looks like, this might be a great 40 minutes for you to dive into. So, with that being said, check out the latest episode of Loud and Clear with Garrett Brewster. We're here today with Garrett Brewster. He's a uh, strategy. Uh, what's your official title over there? So it's we have digital strategists and we have social strategists. Okay. I'm somewhere in between. So I think my email signature says digital strategist. I think my email signature might say social strategist. So I kind of so I, I feel that straddle the line. I did. Uh, yes. If you look at my email, it says digital space slash space social strategist. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I really so I just go for it all. I think I need to upgrade to the official yeah. hybrid title. So yeah, digital, but really like a specialty kind of in social. Awesome. So. Yeah. So you're getting two paychecks then, both you guys. That's oh, fantastic. For sure. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Like, for you'd sure. Be very I, I, shocked. Yeah. That, that much, yeah. getting that. Yeah. Hacking the system. Hacking the system. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so, so, so glad we got to talk to you today. This is a personal interest of mine. Yeah. You were on my list of people to talk to because I'm very much into what you're running with over there at Richards Group with the uh, one of your digital trends. Uh, Richards Group does 10 digital trends every year, and, and your trend was about uh, new influencers, meaning, in your case, uh, streaming and yep. streaming services, Twitch, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a world that I love that I'm excited about. So that's definitely something we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But let's let's back it on up. And can you just talk to us about how you got your start in advertising? Why advertising? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had always had kind of a knack or an interest in writing and communication. And um, I went to school at Texas Tech and originally was in the PR program there. Yeah, guns up. And mm-hmm. uh <laughs> was just interested in um, just kind of crafting the written word and communicating well was something that I knew I was interested in. And really, you know, PR and advertising are kind of sister sciences and are very close there. And the more I kind of had classes and and was exposed to the world of advertising, the more I was just kind of caught up in just the intrigue of it and just found it a really interesting, um, you know, uh, area and just realized that there's really not too much difference really Mm -hmm. between PR and and, um, advertising. So I got my degree in... um, in PR at, at Tech and then went on and um, went to grad school and specialized in uh, mass communications research and so did a little bit more research around that was kind of advertising focused um, and, and thought that I kind of wanted in that at that point kind of thought that I wanted to continue on in kind of like an academic direction mm-hmm. um, and at that point just kind of things kind of come together and got a um, chance for an internship here at the Richards Group and kind of as a lead-in with some social media work that I'd done and, and kind of took the chance and went for it. I mean, it was you know kind of interesting going to an internship after you've just gotten a master's degree. It's not exactly what yep. you picture right away, but moved here and tried out the internship and loved it and kind of have been going ever since. Yeah. Um, so are you... F- so, so you went to Lubbock. Where are you from? Are you from the Dallas area? So I'm from the Hill Country. So uh, if you know where Fredericksburg is, yeah, Fredericksburg, sure. San Antonio, Austin is kind of my... 
hood. Yeah. So grew up there and then, yeah, went out there for school and now uh, have been here for Split in the middle. Six right. years. Yeah, right. something like that all over Texas. So. That's great. Um, in Lubbock, you know, you said you got your master's and, and you, yeah. you put together a thesis that I saw on your your LinkedIn. I did a little bit of stalking, of course, for, before, yeah. before our talk here. And what I really love about the title is this, of this is that I have no idea what it means. Yeah. And that's how I know that I'm not... Well, that's I'm, half of the fun of academic research <laughs> uh, is, is really just doing stuff and doing being able titles. to say it and then have people just kind of... <laughs> Assume you know what you're talking about. I would love if you told me about the advertising in action, the effect of ex excitation, excitation transfer. Excitation yeah, transfer. Woo! There's one that I haven't um, haven't exactly uh, used day to day, but it's a really interesting concept, actually. So the whole the whole idea of it was um, was was kind of just fundamentally how does what people are seeing in the actual medium that they're consuming how does that affect then when they next see advertising and it was mm. it was specifically in the medium of comics right so i'm a huge just comic geek and it was really interesting to see that there was tons of print advertising research but nothing that had been done specifically in the area of comic books and so essentially what excitation transfer is is that if you see like shocking material or something that has some kind of effect on you like it makes your pulse race you know all that kind of stuff is is essentially excitation transfer is you will see that and then you will carry effects from that on into the next mm. few things you see, right? So if you see a shock, something shocking in a movie, you might carry the effects of that for five, 10 minutes and you may not know that. So a lot of times if you see something really shocking, typically you won't, you might not even remember the next few things that you see because you kind of are in the first stages of excitation transfer. I have and a question, then, is, that, yeah. is it more of a um, psychological change or is it more of like an actual physical change like it's both yeah like, okay. so it, it's there's physiological changes in terms of like your pupils dilate and mm -hmm. you know yep. perspiration or rapid more rapid breathing I mean it depends right I mean it, sure. the the interesting thing is that sometimes it can happen at, at like a level that you may not even be aware of right so you may just see something that's kind of like racy or something that kind of grabs your attention and you may not even know but it could be kind of affecting your what you see for the next few minutes so kind of what we did for this was and it was interesting to me was that in comics you're seeing at least in the print form you're seeing these ads that are still in there and you're seeing them in the context of whatever you're reading i mean that's true in anything in a magazine or anything but you're seeing them next to potentially all kinds of crazy stuff i mean and so essentially it was just trying to find out you know what effect does that have on the ads you see and so what we did was um took really shocking content and then had people look at ads that were adjacent to that and then mm -hmm. more like mundane people having conversations and then had people look at ads following that um, and, and kind of looked at how did that affect things like ad recall and, and so what we found was really that um, kind of like I was talking about people had trouble remembering what they saw immediately there was not as much um, brand mm. recall but then actually what they saw later sometime later they actually had better recall because something about the nature of excitation transfer is and again this was just in this study you have a hard time remembering what you see immediately, but your faculties are kind of increased later Fighting on, later. so you actually like can remember stuff better. And that's amazing. That. So and I it's think kind of interesting. Yeah, comic books are the perfect, you know, like perfect media for that because you never know what's going to be next to your ads, right? Yeah, like, it could be. I mean, it literally anything. could have been either of these examples. Which I mean, right. it's, it was funny going back and reading it in like this dry academic language. It was like the first first sample was next to a man who sees his wife as a as a reanimated corpse or something, and then the next one was. You know, and then they saw an ad next to a uh, conversation happening on a rooftop. And then the next one is, you know, a, a woman, another one woman fatally bites another woman in the neck or whatever. And it's like, it's just funny seeing these like dry descriptions yeah. of like this really shocking stuff. But the Joker kills Jason Todd. Yeah, exactly. There's a hostess ad next yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. So get some Twinkies. Super cool. 
Well, so now you went from intern to now your your role as a strategist. What what is your day to day like? Do you have any specific clients or what? what yeah, kind of. Yeah, so strategists, you know, we we straddle the kind of the line across a lot of different clients, um, and so. It's, I mean, if you look back at just my past year, right, it's been a handful of lots of different clients across really a lot of different verticals. Um, and so right now specifically, I mean, if you ask me in six months, it might be different. Right now we're doing a ton of stuff for the, um, the Cayman Islands. Um, the biggest thing that'll probably blow your mind is that it's not the Cayman Islands, it's actually the Cayman Islands. I was like, I was like, I was like wait a minute, I'm going to have to edit that one out. No, that's the single biggest, that's like the huh. single biggest uh, thing that... You blew my mind. Exactly, so that's that's the takeaway. And I'm going to feel so, uh, like, uh, educated. I know, I'm, I'm going to be so cultured. I'm totally going to be so cultured. The Cayman. The Cayman Islands, Islands. yeah. It's like Kramer so, from Seinfeld, that's how I'm going to... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we're doing a ton of stuff for them right now, um, as far as social, a lot of digital stuff. Um, in the past year, have done a lot of stuff in terms of just CPG consumer product goods stuff with um, the Riley Foods brands, so mayo, tea, coffee, and then have done stuff for uh, Omni Hotels, so mm -hmm. other kind of travel, and then a um, bunch of stuff in between. Obviously, the esports stuff has been some of my favorite stuff that I've worked on. Um, so it, you never just you you're really busy, just never busy, know. Yeah. It's, it's been just kind of slicing through all these different verticals, kind of. Yeah taken as I go so it, it's been a interesting yeah couple that's of years. definitely the role of a strategist around yeah. here. you guys you guys stay really busy yeah I don't know he stuff. seems very busy I'm you're not I'm, I'm doing a podcast <laughs> yeah, no. that's not the yeah. <laughs> at least one of you is busy there. Yeah. well that's great I know when you went to the islands themselves to to do Content the, shoots or what was that like? The Cayman yeah. Islands. I know. Well, that's why I said Islands. Like, I, I can't think of it quickly just, enough to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good way to just cover it. Uh, yeah, so we went for um, kind of a multi-purpose thing. So part of the part of the what the Department of Tourism is actually our, our client, and part of what they do is what they call fam trips, which is really just taking someone who's getting used to the business and bringing them to the islands to just learn everything about it. Here's what we're about. Here's you know beyond what you see on TV or beyond just a white sand, blue water, here's actually what the islands are like, what the what the different features are. So that was part of it. The other part was just helping them um, cover an event that they had. So Cayman Cookout is a big um, culinary event that they do every year and they just needed help covering it from a social perspective. And so we got the chance to kind of do that. So I was there for about a week um, and it was just cool being kind of immersed in everything and, and helping them from a from the social side of things so it was it was pretty cool sounds super rough experience. yeah yeah <laughs> well that's what's funny too right so <laughs> that's what's funny is like you get back and everybody's like oh cool how was your like vacation and it's like okay there are definitely worse places to work but it was funny because it really was like 80 percent work you, you know 20 percent right. fun but at the same time you know you're not going to complain so you it's just like a funny yeah, yeah it's just yeah. a funny dynamic nobody um, wants to hear your complaints yeah they're like, like oh, i cool. was so busy the whole time yeah, <laughs> yeah. although they told me i was they're like you really didn't like get tan at all i'm like yeah i know that's like should show you i'm the exact same shade of white that i was yeah. when i left <laughs> well i guess besides your current accounts has there been any like like what's the one takeaway or challenge or highlight kind of that you've worked on that you're the most proud of that might have been the just across any of the work across any of the work that you've done at richards yeah i mean there's there's lots of good moments i think big and small probably one of the biggest ones was um and really, this is one of the biggest challenges, too, if we're talking about challenges, was for Omni Hotels, we, we kind of went in and really did, sometimes you do this, sometimes you don't. We really, for them, made a big point of setting up annual goals ahead of time. And, mm -hmm. and part of um, what success meant for them was, was a lot of different metrics, but part of what was really interesting was that for the first time, we were kind of looking at time spent. So how do we get people to actually spend time with the brand and kind of, had kind of found a good measure for that? And, and it was kind of an interesting challenge in that, okay, we have set this kind of bar of 
time spent for the brand, like in a year, this is what we're kind of going for. And we need to find ways to achieve this. And so it was kind of a challenge, but I think over the course of the year, we found lots of different things that worked in terms of getting people to spend time with the brand from a content perspective, whether that was shorter videos that kind of just gave somebody a really quick dose of inspiration all the way to things like canvas instant experience type things that let people like dive in and people were actually spending, you know, multiple minutes with those. And so it was cool to see over the course of the year, us actually like exceed that goal that we had set, which was honestly kind of ambitious and, and have that just kind of be like this successful moment mm -hmm. by the end of the year, um, you know, through the highs and lows. Cause I mean, when you're planning paid social, there are ups and downs and, and kind of times where media is really efficient and you hit areas where time, you know, where media really isn't efficient. And so we worked really tightly with our media team to, to try to plan throughout the year in a way that would let us hit the moments when we could be the most efficient, avoid the moments where we weren't going to be. So it was kind of this long thing that really kind of ended with a victory at the end. So I mean, awesome. that was that was cool to be able to um, just to be able to kind of put our stamp on that. Yeah. And, and you said that was a big change in mindset for them, right? Like time yeah. spent with the brand was the new thing. Was that a was that a difficult process to make? You know, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of convincing. I mean, um, you have kind of your set of standard media metrics, which I think are totally right. valid. But then talking about something like time spent, the I think people get the concept of what time spent means, but to really dig into a little bit more what it could mean for your brand, the value that it might have, and how we're going to measure it, takes a little bit more kind of um, leading them into it and kind of talking through right. what that's going to look like. So it's not it's not just like awareness, great, I get it, awareness is what we always do, that makes a ton of sense. You know, it's time spent and what does that mean and, and what could that mean down the road for us and, and really what does that mean for us, you know, in terms of years, not just in terms of like the next few months and, and things like that. So. Well, let's talk about gaming. Let's do. Let's, let's talk about marketing and gaming. So, um, yeah. So we talked to, a little bit earlier about the article you wrote for uh, our TRG internal uh, trends for this year, and it was about influencers and, mm -hmm. and streaming and gaming, and and that's of course, like I said, something interesting to me. Um, I would love it if you just talked a little bit about um, how the, the the role of influencers has kind of changed. You yeah, know, how you're seeing it move. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, you know, it's kind of ties in with what I was talking about earlier with time spent. I mean, really, that's kind of one of the strongest things I hit on in the trend is um, nobody denies, you know, once you start looking into esports and streamers, nobody denies the numbers, right, of people that are starting to watch this, people that are, um, you know, watching these streams. But what was fascinating to me was finding that, um, you know, on Twitch, for example, people have, and I think this is in the article, people are spending almost two hours a day on average with that. And so this isn't something that you kind of flip on and, and you know, certainly some people probably do, but what was fascinating to me was just, man, people are spending massive amounts mm -hmm. of time with these people. I mean, hours, um, huge chunks of the day. And so to me, that was, um, that spoke to influencers in a really different way that I think um, certainly, you know, the follower counts and, and those aspects of it are there. But what was so interesting to me was just, you know, you may, in my opinion, you know, you may see an Instagram influencer, you may watch a little bit of their video and uh, throw them a like or something. And to me, that's really valid. And, but when you're spending four hours watching a streamer, you know, it's just mm -hmm. such like a, it's the most like hyper kind of level of engagement that there is. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me. And I think it's something that um, there's a lot of value, I think, yeah. just in that time spent. And I think, I mean, I totally agree. I, you know, I'm a little bit of a Twitch addict myself. I, you yeah. know, I follow, I'm a, actually a big Overwatch fan. So I follow a lot of those streams. And I think what's interesting is something you pointed out in the article is about the group of people of the gamers and how they are passionate and how they're, yeah. They're 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 there. Like we're here for it, basically. Yeah. And not only are they there for the content, they're there for each other. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly tight knit community, and I think you know I, this is probably where the conversation was going to go eventually. Is I there's kind of pros and cons to that for brands, right? I think like the the, the gamer community is super tight knit, and and that's really interesting. But I think it can also be really intimidating to brands because it's also a place where having authority and having being genuine. I, I think no matter what, and this is something I say in the article, like no matter what, when you're working with influencers, you always have to be genuine. Like that has to be table stakes. But I think with gaming, uh, there's so much, <clears throat> like you mentioned, just the tight knit nature of the community and the nuance of the things that they're into, right? So it's rather than just a lifestyle influencer, you're talking about an entire community that's based around a game that has nuance and depth and years of evolving memes and jokes and culture yes, and language culture and its own and words and its own verbs. and. There's so much wrapped around it that, I, I, to me, I think it's really interesting, and I think that's what makes it brands that do it well. I think there's there's a way that they can get in in a way that other brands can't, but I think that's kind of what's intimidating from the outside, right? Is how it's, do you? It's a lot of work. Yeah, like how do you, you approach to, this? Yeah. What can what can you what value can you actually add? And I think it's intimidating in that. I think a lot of times people, you know, or brands might look at a platform as a way to just extend a media buy or kind of extend something they're already doing. And I just don't think that that works as well in the gaming space as original uh, activations. The brands that you see being successful are doing their research. They're doing something that they literally couldn't do on any other channel, and it takes a lot of work. And frankly, you know, probably takes a significant investment. And so I think it's that's intimidating because that's a hard process to get started. And it's a hard process to kind of know where to start. Definitely. So. Are there any brands that you've seen be authentic like that, like that have been successful? Yeah, I think you know. Um, there are a few examples and I think you'll start to see more of them, but I think it's brands that lead with, there's kind of two ways you can go. I think there's, there's brands that lead with the mindset of let's be really authentic to the gaming space, to the actual games themselves. I think surprisingly, um, Mercedes Benz has actually done a pretty good example, uh, has done a pretty good job of this in terms of actually getting the, getting the culture, um, you know, there's a couple other brands that I think have done that. So that's kind of one uh, way to go. Gillette was an example that I mentioned in the article of just, they realized there was a connection because this is not something that could have come about any other way, but that you know Dr. Disrespect was singing their jingle every day on, the, on his stream. And so that became an opportunity. So I think there's like, there's a way to get in where you really understand the space and it feels right. And I think from the other end, there's a way to get in that's, that's talking about how do we bring value. So I think like the NFL and a couple other brands have have entered the space of Fortnite and have really said, well, let's lead by just offering value to people. So if that's in-game skins or, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that that's your entire strategy and then that's the only way to be successful, but it at least is a start that says, you know, we're not slapping a logo on something and just kind of pretending to own it. We are we are starting by bringing you something that's valuable, like something that's valuable to you as a gamer, so. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess let's go back and let's pretend that someone listening to this has really no idea what separates the Twitch platform from, say, YouTube, yep. right? Because I think you could draw some similarities, right? And For say, sure. hey, here's a lifestyle influencer, like you mentioned, and here is a, a streamer. Um, I think one of the things you mentioned is that authenticity, right? Where yeah. four hours unedited, just kind of doing whatever they want every yeah. night is a lot different than someone posting a video a week. Yeah. What other instances have been kind of the differentiating factors? Yeah, between those two platforms, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think YouTube is kind of the video juggernaut, and I think everybody everybody knows YouTube, but it's so far has kind of been this place where you go to watch pre-recorded stuff. You you know you go to watch a video a week, like you said. Twitch has differentiated itself as the platform that is kind of live in the truest sense of the word, and it's kind of something that's something's always going on. It's four-hour broadcasts, um, often unedited, those kind of things. 
you know, I think Twitch uh, kind of established itself as the live gaming platform. And I think YouTube has actually uh, kind of been nipping at its heels ever since in terms of trying to bring up YouTube gaming and, and right. trying to make it a little more. Um, so at least now, I think YouTube will make really big strides on this um, over the next year. But I think at least now, Twitch is kind of the place to go see what's happening now. Right. YouTube is still always going to be the place to see what happened or see something that's already been made. Um, YouTube you know, has that big brother feel to it too, right? It definitely does, It has yeah. this juggernaut thing where Twitch feels like a, a startup that people are like... Yeah, it feels a little more homegrown, yeah, kind of. Sure. Um, Let me play devil's advocate. Wouldn't it be easier to sell a brand in on doing a gaming activation on YouTube? Like, if you're yeah. saying that in a year, it's going to be the same capabilities, right? Wouldn't it be yeah. easier for me to go to my client who knows YouTube and we've advertised on YouTube to say, hey, here's a, another nudge and give yeah. them YouTube as a, as a possibility? I think I think there's definitely a lot of merit to that. I think YouTube, if they're not taking advantage of that, then they absolutely should be. And the fact that they are just, um, you know, a known name that's already going to be in media buys, I think to me, it will come down to probably the brand team and the strategist to say, really, because I and you know I think Twitch has established itself as um, as a numbers player too. So it's not just mm -hmm. what I was going to say is an authenticity play. So if you really want to go to where it's authentic and where it's live, you know, Twitch still is the place for that. But I think Twitch is, I mean, the numbers game is rapidly, you know, is growing there. And I think you're going to see Twitch continue to grow kind of because it's established itself, but also just because it's owned by Amazon, right? So it's it's kind of, I could see it going either way. Certainly, um, right now, the features aren't there for YouTube. Uh, I think if they, if they do get added, that certainly becomes, you know, there probably becomes a little bit more competition there. I think Twitch is kind of seeing this space right now and running as fast as they can to try to nail down things like the Overwatch League partnership and, and all these exclusive partnerships that they can to kind of see themselves as the place to go for gaming, live gaming entertainment. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see YouTube make some make up some ground probably over the next year. I think Brandon kind of started talking about something that I was going to ask you about is, is how to approach clients with this. Yeah. You know, it's... I, I've been in rooms um, where we've set, somebody's mentioned something about Twitch or watching a live stream and, and had clients and other agency people you know on our team be like why would why would anybody even watch that you know because yeah. there's there's a there's a gap there right big time what, what whatever that gap is um, you know how do we how would you talk to clients you know or have you do you have examples of how you talk to clients about making that move yeah it's a great it's a great question it's not um, it's something I know we've started doing a little bit more at the agency, and certainly um, some of our esports marketing has kind of led us to to be a little bit more of an expert in that space. I think you're dead on in that there's always going to be a big knowledge gap there. So I think you have to start with you essentially just have to start at the absolute basics. Um, it's really almost like any other platform. I think you you can't be too flashy with it as much as you need to just bring solid background of this is a this is a platform that is no longer a small niche thing. Um, this has, you know, kind of almost the nature of the article in a way you can kind of present it as like, this is like the biggest secret that everybody knows about. Like this is kind of a huge opportunity that's, you know, about to kind of crack wide open. And, you know, you can kind of position it as a little bit of a value play there, but I think you have to just kind of, you have to do your honest homework on, you know, if this is the audience that you're looking to reach, um, more of them are spending time on this platform than almost any other platform. I mean, you can look, and you know, it's Twitch is second only, I think, to Netflix in terms of some of the platforms that people are spending time with. So I mean, it's just a 
I think it's a long, slow process for some clients. Um, you may have to start certainly like in an experimental testing kind of mentality. And you always, I think, have to couch it in sort of media terms and what's the value that you're getting. Right. You don't want to, I wouldn't think you'd want to get too far into, again, it depends on the client. You probably don't want to get too far into the kind of just crazy talking too much about because you'll, you'll lose them. So I think it, it's, it's finding the value and kind of centering on that and maybe hoping to test, maybe um, test an activation and go from there. Cause I think you, you should be able to hopefully incrementally kind of prove some value, but it's definitely going to yeah. depend on the client yeah. for sure. We, um, we had that experience last year yeah. we, um, with Metro. We actually had a great opportunity where uh, with the UFC and our partnership with them, yeah. um, one of our contracted fighters, um, Dimitri Shonson, was probably, he was definitely the biggest UFC fighter on the platform, but one of the biggest just non uh, streamers that was a big fan of all the different things. And yeah. so we were able to kind of say to the client, hey, we have an opportunity where we can try this out. We have the software. It's going to cost you no money, right? It was, I think it was $20,000 total for yeah. the activation because he had been doing like a, an online beef with Lyric, which was actually a pretty big influencer. So we knew that we would have some leverage. Mm -hmm. So then we just called EA Sports and we said, hey, we know that UFC 3 is about to come out. Can we have DJ play the game? We can put our little Chiron on the bottom, give away some stuff. And so we worked with them, we worked with Lyric. Mm -hmm. We gave away, I think, 50 copies of the game. It was a very, and then so then he played it on both and they shared all the streams. And mm -hmm. so I think we got a million, two million views just yeah. overall for pennies, really. Yeah. Um, and it was a good way to introduce the client for, because it was no barrier, right? We were like, hey, we're yeah, gonna take exactly. care of this. It's yeah. a good way for us to learn it as well because yeah. we learned a lot. Like the messaging isn't super there, right? If we want to DM winners, you know, it was like little yeah. things like that where we were kind of learning mm -hmm. as the process went. But um, it was a cool way to. I remember to hearing about that, and I thought yeah. that was cool. I think it's, I think what you talked about is right in that it's timing. Some of it is timing, right? So if you time it around the release of a game, something right. like that, and it's also just finding those connections. So finding. Um, you know, finding that one of the fighters is actually a gamer and, and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just finding all of those things into kind of this perfect opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's like the Gillette example you mentioned, right? Like, just because a streamer was singing the song, right? Yeah. It's like, here you go, here's the connection. Well, and what's funny about that is, you, you know, I guarantee you they'd heard about that probably for a year before right. they actually activated on it. And it's right. just, that's just how these things go, you know? So I think it's a, sometimes it can be a, potentially a long, move towards something like that. So. You mentioned it. I think the big thing for for clients and even for people in the room is that perceived age gap. And you mentioned in your article, yeah. right, where yeah. it's like, oh, my kid watches that. Or yeah. I know that my, you know, 17-year-old mm -hmm. cousin loves to watch Overwatch, right? right? But they don't understand that the purchasing power and the average age on those right. platforms and playing those games is people that are making actual purchase decisions now and yep. even by your, you know, like, so it's a yeah. whole new strategy. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's that, you know, some of the stereotypes about the audience are, are absolutely true in some ways, but there still is, if you look a little bit further, there's still some incremental value there. It's not that you're going to suddenly be reaching, you know, 40 year olds that, you know, are really well established, but you are going to be reaching young professionals. And to me, I think mm -hmm. um, there's a really interesting play too. If you're looking beyond like to a five, 10 year strategy, there's some really interesting thoughts around, you know, an audience that's 17 now, right. you know, five to 10 years from now is going to be, you know, is going to have much more uh, disposable income. And, and so it, 
to me, it becomes something is it becomes a piece of a long term strategy as well, potentially a longer term investment. And you see some brands starting to do that where they're not just, you know, certainly there's value in like a one time activation, but you see some brands saying, hey, this we're going to become part of this scene and become like an integrated part of this scene for the next you know, few years, and I would say it's probably it's probably because of something like that. Yeah, so. Definitely. And um, I just pulled up your article because I remember you reading and putting in very specific uh, stats on this, and, and in the article it says that the average age is somewhere around 25, with an average household income of almost 60K. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's there's purchasing power there, like yeah. you said, right? And I think it depends, too. Like, that's that's another thing that's so interesting about esports is... It, it, not only are there, you know, it's a complicated landscape, right? Not only are there digital platforms, there are uh, individual streamers, then there are teams, esports teams, yep. and then there are titles, right? So all of these can be sliced a hundred different ways. So in this case, I, I think the audience for Overwatch is actually significantly older and, mm -hmm. and has a little bit more disposable income. That might be completely different for something like League of Legends, might be completely different for Fortnite. So, you know, it's interesting in that you kind of even have to pay attention to the title and, and the mm -hmm. different fandoms that kind of surround the different uh, esports, you know, different titles. Well, like with titles, especially, let's let's go to that because there are two parts that I see kind of as something that might be tough for a client to grab onto. One where it's, you know, sometimes when you partner with a streamer, it's not partnering with the game, right? And so you're right. kind of an unofficial part of it, and some brands might feel a little bit cautious, kind of being like unofficial like that. Yeah. What what would you say there? How have brands kind of partnered with just a, an influencer or just a streamer? Yeah, it's a great question. To me, that's one of the big sort of uh, unique, unanswered questions that's yeah. kind of out there right now is that there are entire communities and entire industries built around these titles that are owned by these publishers. And these publishers have control over these IPs, you know, which is a fascinating thing because without that IP, there is none of the other. But, but a lot of times, like you said, the partnership is not directly with the publisher. And so it's hard to say where that will go. It's a unique, um, certainly there is like a win-win kind of mutual benefit to mm -hmm. like a rising tide sort of lifts all boats, right? Like the publisher wants there to be a healthy, uh, thriving esports scene around their game. Um, the esports scene obviously wants, you know, the publisher to, to thrive and continue to produce, you know, a great game. So there's, mm -hmm. there's definitely that. Um, but there's an interesting line in that lots of these activations are not directly with the publishers. Publishers have kind of Certainly there's probably different cases, but publishers have kind of stayed at arm's length in, term, in terms of those kind of partnerships. What will be interesting, and I, I don't know how this will play out necessarily, but what will be interesting will be to see if publishers start to take in-house a little bit more of the esports scene, a little bit more of the media event type pieces of it and kind of say, we want a little bit more of a slice of that pie. Um, or whether they'll continue to kind of say, you know, we are kind of develop the game and Mm -hmm. This other stuff is kind of outside of that, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see, especially as esports continues to grow. They might say, "Well, it will be interesting to see what publishers do in terms of yeah. well, we kind of own everything, so should right. we scoop a little bit more of this up, and should we?" So yeah, yeah. I can tell you from my experience, I haven't seen brands um, really integrate with uh, streamers very well. Like it feels like a, an uncracked nut. Like they can't. Yeah. Like a lot of the times, you just see a logo, yeah, just hanging out on a stream, which is great, which is right. fine. But it doesn't feel as authentic like we talked about earlier yeah. to the stream, to the conversation, to the to the emotes, to to everything. It doesn't have that that ingrained feeling. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're talking about with the leagues and, and uh, the publishers themselves is really interesting because unlike um, football and basketball, where 
nobody owns the game of right. football. You know, the publishers own the game of CSGO, of Hearthstone, of Overwatch, of whatever. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they control, they own the league. So that becomes an issue, I think, for advertisers trying to get in there. Yeah. Um, when there's no, uh, you know, competition, there's no, you know, they own, they own everything. You okay. know. Well, then, exactly. so how about this? I know Twitch, especially as a platform, is after they saw the success of the Pokemon activation, right? After they saw yeah, the Twitch success plays of, Pokemon. of, I think it was Mr. Rogers, something similar to that, where mm-hmm. it's these old. Oh, it was uh, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of their play now as a platform. Mm -hmm. If they came to your agency, they would say, hey, here's what we can do. You can sponsor this. Yeah. So now there's a whole Mm -hmm. other element of Twitch that is not gaming based, right? And you've seen some brands, uh, Old Spice has done that a little Mm -hmm. bit, right? What's the opportunity there? And is that part of the, the natural part of the platform or is this kind of just a safe place for brands to go? Yeah, so talking about just like the non-gaming mm-hmm. piece of Twitch specifically, I think it I think it's a growing area. So right now, and I think this is in the article, around 20% of content is non-gaming um, related, but I think you're going to see that continue to grow just as the nature, as the kind of, um, as the platform kind of permeates and, and grows a little bit more. I think you'll see more of that. Um, and, and really that's some of what we're telling clients now is that, yes, you know, Twitch is very much a gaming platform and it deserves that reputation, but don't miss the fact that there's this growing appetite for just live content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Twitch is a place that does it right. And so this is kind of this, it's small, but I think it's growing. I think you'll you'll continue to see more of just kind of, um, and they have some different sections right now. If you could actually go to Twitch, you can see that they have some that are kind of roughly categorized along like outdoor and travel, and you'll kind of have some or that are just there. Chatting. Just chatting. Yeah. Um, kind of like what we're doing now, just, just chatting. Just chatting. Just chatting. Surprise. We should have streamed this. Yeah, we should have streamed this. We should have streamed the whole thing. Um, I know somebody you did not have to talk into Twitch and, and live streaming is that, and that would be your client, the Dallas Fuel, yep. which I would love to talk about because I'm, yeah. I'm a Fuel fan. I burn oh, blue, the burn whole blue. thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear you talk about some of the work you guys did with the Dallas Fuel. Absolutely. So, um it was actually really cool. Primarily what we've done for them has actually been through Richard's partners from a PR perspective. Um, so that's kind of how we got looped into it. Mm-hmm. Um, was really can, can you tell us uh, what D- Dallas Fuel is first? I'm sorry. Yes, I absolutely. Didn't, I didn't introduce that. That's yeah. So, um, so Dallas Fuel is a professional uh, sports team in the Overwatch League. So they play a title called Overwatch. Um, and they are owned by an esports um, company, Team Envy, that kind of fields lots of different teams. So this is always... This is always an interesting thing to try mm-hmm. to break down, right? So think of Team Envy as the umbrella. They field lots of different teams in almost kind of in different sports. And so Overwatch being one specific sport, they have the Dallas Fuel, which is kind of our home team uh, within the Overwatch League. So if that's mm-hmm. even possible to follow, that's sort of a rough <laughs> breakdown. But yeah. I kind of think of it as they're a master sort of umbrella and they have different sports. And, and yeah. the Dallas Fuel is one of their teams that plays one of their sports. So. Um, so, so the work you guys have been doing with them. Yeah, so we started from a PR perspective, but rapidly kind of got into, they, they, we had been doing some, some work for them just within Dallas in terms of just, um, they're getting established as a team and really owning, um, starting to get some headlines out there, growing Dallas as an esports um, destination, uh, growing them as just the, the, one of the leading big teams in Dallas. So really one of the goals is kind of to establish them as one of the big sports franchises in Dallas. And so that was kind of how it started, but um, quickly that kind of led into the need for just how do we think about digital and social content? So one thing that's been fascinating, I think, has been the difference between 
a, some typical clients who who may have been around for decades and may be a little slower to come into a digital or social plan. You know, the, these guys have just literally started a team and it's they, they bleed social media, right? That's just the natural language of gamers. Twitter is one of their primary channels. They're already thinking about Twitch. They're really active on YouTube. So they're starting at a point that we tried to get to for a long time <laughs> with other clients. And so it was really interesting. I think that's where the need for digital social strategy came in quickly is, wow, we, we have a lot of things we could say. We already have a lot of people that are ready to hear from us. How do we start to think about what are the right things to say? How do we build our brand? Um, that's been the other thing that I think has been fascinating about it is really um, starting a brand from scratch. I mean, we kind of went from the Overwatch League is not a thing to now this is your home team. This is who you should root for. Uh, and it's been a really interesting process. So. Yeah. That's, uh, I never really thought about that, well, you know, that challenge of they're already there. They've got the content. Yeah. They've got content creators. They already speak the language. Yeah. They just need help as to, okay, now what's next? Yeah, what should we prioritize? That's really interesting. Because um, yeah. we, we're ready to go. We're ready to like... Yeah, they're ready to go. So, yeah. That's super cool. I know a big challenge was also like, you're saying that they're the Dallas Fuel, but they might be competing in LA or they might be practicing yeah. wherever. Like, what was it in terms of the strategy to ground them in Dallas and make yeah. them a, a Dallas specific thing? Yeah, that was a big, that's a big challenge. And that was where, um, I think that's a lot of where the PR comes into is mm -hmm. just how can we let's make some events here that can get them here, get them in front of mm -hmm, people, mm -hmm. start to just get that fan to athlete connection was a big part of it. Um, and a lot of kind of the strategy that we worked out with them is let's through our content, let, we always wanna be talking about gaming, certainly that's a big aspect of what we do. We wanna be talking about our personalities, but let's also find ways to tie us to Dallas. Let's, yeah. let's um, you know, some of it is having them physically here, so let's bring them here and have them tour some of the big sort of things around Dallas and let's grab all of that content and spread that out over you know months or years and let's always make sure that a certain kind of percentage of our content inherently is tying them to Dallas and then so that that's kind of on the content side from a PR perspective they've done you know a fantastic job in terms of just getting them out there in the headlines finding actually it's been interesting they've found um, you know, pro basketball players and football players that are interested, that are gamers. Um, one of the one of the things that we helped do was um, get them connected with a really big Dallas area influencer. So Preston plays mm -hmm. um, is huge. I mean, I think he has tens of millions of followers, mm -hmm. um, and, and he's located here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so um, Team Team Envy actually signed him as um, as one of their kind of just all-purpose streamers. So he plays a lot of different games mm -hmm. for them. And so that was that was kind of part of it. So it's been lot of different angles but I think for us it was it was kind of the saying you know let's make sure some of our content is always specifically tying us to Dallas certainly from just a content perspective and then also recommending from a you know paid media side let's be targeting let's you know let's target areas let's reach people that are around Dallas or people that you know areas of Texas that would root for Dallas those kind of things yeah. so that's super yeah cool. and Dallas is quickly becoming like an esports hub yeah I mean we've Absolutely. got we've currently got what the biggest esports stadium in the country I think yeah um, uh, so yeah Dallas is a great place and more teams are moving in um, do you see that expansion are you guys feeling that on your yeah side? it's it's been interesting um, you know there's uh, been multiple teams that are kind of housed here so we went from almost no esports teams for a while to wow okay there's a lot of lot happening here we got it you know and it, it actually was interesting it, it moved from let's just get people to understand that there's an esports team here to let's get people to understand why we're the esports team for them kind of thing and mm -hmm. so that's that's been a pretty interesting evolution over a pretty short period of time so but but certainly the the idea of dallas as a esports destination is going to benefit i think everyone everybody's so. cool i guess to wrap up 
people are listening to this podcast, which means that they are relatively tech savvy, right? They know how to download the they got that far. the podcast app. You know, they <laughs> they subscribe to this somehow, and so they listen to this. And let's say they don't know anything about Twitch or anything about esports or anything about streaming. What would you tell somebody? How would you tell them to to dive in a little bit? Like, what would be the first step to understanding what Twitch is as a platform? Yeah, so I think this is, um, I, I did like a sort of mini version of a present, presenting my trends and, and it kind of talked to some of our creative team about it. And I think it can be just like for brands, right? It can be a really intimidating world to get into, like essentially what the heck is going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll turn, tune into a game stream and see that it's just like a vomit of colors and lights and noises. And if you don't understand the game, right, these games are super nuanced. So I think rather than trying to understand the game itself, one thing that I mentioned was, just to get on and get onto a popular stream. And instead of, certainly you can watch the gameplay, but good luck understanding it, to be honest. I think what you're better off doing is may, is spending a little bit of time just watching the streamer. How do they how do they interact with their chat? How are they, you know, what, it, what happens when someone subscribes? How do they thank someone when somebody contributes to their channel, you know, with digital currency? What are they doing to keep the audience engaged? How are people responding? You know, it's just, I think it's just kind of getting on and just observing the behavior of the live environment to me is where you can get some of the benefit. I don't think you're gonna, you're gonna have to take a little bit of a sample. So I would, I would watch several different streams maybe across a period of time just to get an idea of like, how does, how does this place work? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to understand the game necessarily. I would just watch the streamers, how they interact and try catching them at different times because I think you'll find that there's times when, you know, a streamer will be, hyper focus on, on the gameplay. There'll be times where they lean back and spend more time with their audience. There'll be times where they do something on camera. And it just gives you a sense for what's different about this medium, I think, versus some of the others. So that's, that's kind of where cool. I would start. That's great. That's perfect. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, yes. thank you guys for having me. This yeah. was I don't know if you want to share a Twitter Twitter handle in case people... Or, or a Twitch. Or a Twitch. Uh, oh, a Twitch. Username. Yeah, no, I, I would say, yeah, uh, uh, Twitter, you can find me at G Brewster. And awesome. uh, throw me a follow and... And you'll be there. And I'll be there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, thank you again to Garrett for making that long trek down 75 to be here with us today. I learned a lot. Matt, how much did you learn? I can't tell you how excited I am about this because it's one of my passions in gaming. So... Thank you, Garrett. Um, You can catch us and Garrett and this podcast and every other episode of this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Can I say podcast one more time? You can say podcast one more time, but then I think they're going to cut us off. And then we got to go. Well, podcast. (laughs) Podcast.